Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Are you frustrated and confused about how to attract new clients? Nothing you have done is working and you're tired of waiting for the phone to ring. Imagine learning the tips and tools that will help you get noticed and booked by your ideal client and paid what you're worth for your amazing services. Now's the time to make your dream a reality and the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will teach you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. So welcome to episode 194. I am your host, Anne-Marie Cross, brand and communication strategist, also known as the podcasting queen. Now, I'm sure we all know that webinars are a great way to build visibility and really showcase our expertise for our businesses. However, imagine running a webinar and almost breaking the world record for the most number of people who attended your webinar. Think it's impossible? Well, you are in for a treat today because my guest has achieved just that. He almost broke the world record for the most number of people in a webinar, among many other impressive achievements. And joining me today is Robert Curry. Robert is an MBA. He's the number one best-selling author and reality TV pilot host. The Huffington Post called Rob one of the most influential online marketers across the globe. And he was also listed by Startup Australia recently as one of Australia's top 50 entrepreneurs. He's built a super responsive global online community of serious business owners, almost, as I said, broke the world record for the most number of people in a webinar, filled up dozens of live events, been featured extensively in media, launched three best-selling books and signed a reality TV show with Hollywood. And on today's show, Robert's going to share how to fill up our live events, how to do marketing with a low budget and how to set up an automated webinar system. Welcome to the show, Robert. Great to be here. Oh, my goodness. After reading all of that, I kind of wanted to go, oh, amazing. I know. I've got a real job as well. <laughs> Look, um, before we dive into all of this great stuff, because I'm sure you've got lots uh, to share, I just wanted to let everyone know that the way that we met is that you are also a Microsoft Surface ambassador. Just share with everybody, um, how are you finding the Microsoft Surface and how are you using it in your business? I found it amazing. So I used to be um, a user of one of the competitors who yep. they who they talk about all the time, mm-hmm. and and I've moved over to the Surface now, and it's amazing. So basically, the the touch screen is huge for me. If I see a really good ad on Facebook or on Google Display Network, what I'll do is I can take a screenshot of that and I'll clip it into OneNote and make a few edits and like adjustments of what I think could work or what could be changed, and kind of save that in mm. my marketing swipe file. So every mm. time I go to make a new campaign. I just go through the swipe file and look at all the different things I liked about other ads I've seen, things I didn't like, and it makes my ad creation process a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Do you also find, um, because I would imagine from just reading some of the things that you're involved in, you're very much on the road, you're traveling and things like that. The portability, is that something that you're leveraging too? 
Yeah, it's huge. And and the great thing is it's also um a tablet. So when you're on the plane, <laughs> you can yeah. you, you pull off the keyboard and um you kinda of work all the way through. Yeah. Um, because it's a tablet, which yeah. is fantastic. So you've got a laptop, you've got to like you know, kind of plug it down and when you're flying a lot, like that extra thirty minutes each side of the flight, like it adds up. It surely does. All right. Well, thank you for that. Let's dive in. I know that many entrepreneurs think that a live event is certainly going to get them exposure, which is fabulous. But then there is one thing, organizing a great event. And then the second, actually getting people to attend that event. And I know this is something that you've been able to do very successfully. So let's see, what are some of the things that you've done that have been really working well for you? Yeah, well, I've put pretty close to 100,000 people into live events wow. um, over the last three years. It's quite mm. substantial. In a lot of different industries, I've done, you know, real estate, business, um, public speaking, health. Yeah, so quite quite a wide range, even architecture, like a, a real wide range of industries. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found is the process is exactly the same, no matter which industry you're going after. But basically, you want to start off with um, really identifying like what the pain points are of that market you want to go after. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like... If it's the real estate market, like obviously, you know, people that want to buy an investment property, like what are the pain points of those people that are trying to buy an investment property? If it's health, you know, like what what health challenges people have that they're trying to wrestle with at the moment? If it's finance, like, you know, what kind of financial challenges people are having? So I always make the seminar um, or the live event promise to solve that main issue that people have so that that makes a big difference yeah let's just 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 concentrate on this because i think that this because this is something that you mentioned is the first point are you saying that many people who are having live events there's there's things that they're doing around not being specific enough they're providing too much so therefore they're overwhelming uh, and they're not going deep enough as to what are the pain points so when people are reading their content or their invitation to attend it's just falling on deaf ears is that kind of what you're seeing definitely so if you have like a conference for business owners like seriously who cares yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah. it just doesn't mean anything or like it's a bit just a generic business conference or an accounting conference or um, you know a conference about nutrition um, or about real estate or about finance like it's just kind of boring and especially in those kind of industries like if you're if it's a brand bank new industry like it was like a bitcoin conference or something like that okay yeah. that's kind of new and different and no one's really heard of that before so maybe that could work but if it's something like a, a mature industry like weight loss or finance or real estate or education business those types of industries are very mature so people have seen all those regular kind of claims before like if you say hey i'm going to do a seminar and show you how to lose weight I'm going to do a seminar and show you how to make more sales in your business. People are like, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so what? <laughs> um, you know, so it's really about being very specific and really nailing that pain point to, yeah. to make it work. What's something else that you found works really well? So the next thing that works well is sponsorship um, because live events are expensive to put on, to do it well. Um, so Whenever I've run live events for myself or my clients' businesses, like I always want to try and put on a, a good experience for the end user. So mm. we want to have make sure we've got food, drinks, a nice venue. Um, if you compare that to, you know, maybe having it for like, you know, at a low cost or a free function room at your local RSL where there's no drinks, you can't get water when you walk in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very different experience going to a nice venue um, with nice food and drink. And it depends on what kind of brand image that you want to portray to your customers. With all of our ones, it's not a premium or a high end image. So you can't, you can't really afford to have people come there, you know, after work and not feed them. 
yeah. or, or not give them any drinks or mm. food. For someone that may not necessarily have the impressive background and achievements that you have, that maybe is looking at approaching a venue, say, uh, and, and having them come on board as a sponsor, what would be some things that they could position their event to, to really make it attractive, to really, I guess, entice, if you will, or have these sponsors come on board to say, yes, we would love to be involved? Yeah, so I've, I've had heaps of different sponsors over the years. I've had one-man band businesses even sponsor um, wow. all the way up to medium kind of companies and mm-hmm. large corporates. I've done the whole spectrum. You know what? They all want the same thing, but they all want to get their brand and their business in front of their prospective audience. So what, what I always do before I start a live event, I look at, okay, who else is trying to sell to these people? What other companies share the same client or, or customer? And so, for example, like when I did my book launch and I had a big event around that, I wanted to know, like, okay, who else wants to sell to high-end business executives, business owners, senior people in big companies? Mm-hmm. Who wants to get to this market? And then so I worked out which businesses would be interested in that, and I approached them. So even the venue, like the venue was really keen to get in front of these people, so they were able to give me um, a massive discount as a sponsorship. It cost me a fraction of what it would normally cost because they knew that these 300 people that were going to be there are people that book venues and have functions, so they mm. wanted to get in front of them. That yeah. was a big saving an accountant sponsored it as well. So, I mean, again, like if they just picked up one new client because they were like a medium, like you know, more of a medium to large business accountant. So yep. if they picked up one client out of that 300 people that attended, that would pay for the sponsorship. And they got like a five-minute speaking slot, um, lots of promotion through the event. They got like a stand at the back. So they got very, very good exposure to those 300 people. And if someone's going to pay me a sponsorship fee, I'm very happy to give them a five-minute or a 10-minute speaking slot. Oh, at the event. Absolutely. That's totally fine. Absolutely. And I know someone is thinking, fantastic, love that idea. If they're looking at running something similar and maybe they've got a service provider, an accountant or someone else, maybe a web designer will fit in beautifully with kind of a sponsorship. If they get a five or a 10 minute uh, opportunity to speak, what kind of sponsorship? Like, do you want to give a range of different, um, like, could they yeah. pay for something or, yeah, or the is there monetary? The charge is $1,000 mm-hmm. and the highest is $20,000. Ah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so it's a kind of a range. You, you could go as low as five hundred dollars if you wanted to to, mm-hmm. to get people on board. You probably wouldn't give you wouldn't give them a speaking slot for that. So that might be like a mention by the MC mm. and and maybe your desk at the back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you want to have a, a, a you know the more that people pay because you can't have twenty people speaking. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You want to have just one and you or get two five minutes at the back. That's of, of yeah, everyone. That's yeah. right. So you want you want one or two backs, and yeah. then um, so what I did what I've done in the past is have different price points. For like, so if you want a speaking slot, it's going to be you know, in the five to ten thousand dollar range, even higher. If you're not prepared to do that, but you still want exposure, you know, maybe you can put like a, a brochure in the goodie bag. We can mention you from stage. You know, you can have a desk at the back. You mm-hmm. can, we can even present an offer for you from stage. So that, that's totally fine because you can say, you can rattle off ten offers in a row. You can say, hey, you've got you know ABC Web Design Companies doing a free consult for anyone that wants to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, or um, whatever. So you can kind of rattle them off really quickly. And then um, they, they get really good value because the whole audience is hearing their offer. And, you know, for someone who's just starting this, I'm sure if you went back and looked at the very first couple of events you ran, um, you know, you kind of stage things up a little bit. And in other words, the first few events that you do, you're kind of feeling your feet, you know, get building ground, if you will. And as you start to get this reputation, you know, okay, I know that I create really great events and people show up because we've got kind of the right formula. You can then go and approach with, you know, this 
level of confidence to speak to, to sponsors because you know you're going to get the bums on seats, you're going to get them great exposure. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. What other things do you do uh, that has worked really well? Normally on the landing page for the events, I make sure it's a nice looking landing page. It doesn't have to be amazing, but it just has to be just clean, like look kind of, at least kind of half modern. You don't want to look like it's a 2007 landing page. That, mm. That's really outdated. So it needs to, be, needs to be reasonably fresh and clean. But I use curiosity copywriting on there. So basically like what I'll do is I'll kind of tease what's going to be happening at the event without giving it away. So it'd be like you're going to learn five new strategies to do X, Y, Z, you know, or, or a surprising new method that that's only been released just recently or, mm -hmm. or this or that. So it's really about surprise, um, intrigue, curiosity, so that there's a reason for them to want to come along to the event. And I think what's really important about this is that sometimes when we're looking at putting together an event, the sign-up page, the marketing material can sometimes unfortunately be second thought. But every single stage from you know initial marketing, you might be posting or advertising on Facebook, pulling the people out of there and onto your landing page, it all has to be on brand, a simple, sleek message. And if you've got something that really hasn't been thought about and it's kind of jumbled amongst other stuff that you've got on your website it's just not going to to be focused do you also have or have you also found over the years particularly now that there's a lot of noise and I think we alluded to that at the beginning there's a lot of people writing events or running events and there's a lot of people writing about certain things that sometimes they come across just too salesy too unbelievable what have you you kind of a balance between that obviously influential and intriguing curiosity but in a way that doesn't come across too hard and too, you know, salesy Definitely. for the one of a different yeah. way. Yeah. So what, one thing to keep in mind is that everybody reads this um, one person at a time. Yeah. So like when you're when you're writing copywriting, like quite often a mistake people make is they think that they're writing to a big audience, mm -hmm. whereas you're not really. You're writing to one person because everyone reads it by themselves on their mobile phone or on their computer. Yeah. And so you can like um, you can afford to get quite deep and and personal. Like that's totally fine. Like if I think a lot of people shy away from like kind of really kind of going for it on the sale um, when you're talking to someone, but it, it kind of, it, it's really like sales, it's really have like a sales conversation, but in print yes. um, or, or online. So it's, it, it's totally like I write all my emails very personally. So mm. they'll be like, I'll be writing it as if I'm writing to you personally. Yeah. Um, You're connecting with style. them, aren't you? You really understand. Yeah. As you said, you really understand what their pain points are. So I'd imagine, if you, and I think we use that term, the um, psychographic, what are people experiencing? What are the emotions that they're feeling? What's the frustration? You know. So when you incorporate that into a really nice, engaging story, as if you were having a conversation, that really speaks to the individual, doesn't it? And has them go, That's wow, right. this guy And you know what the, the funny thing is, though? Some people hate it. Do some they? people just don't like it. Ah, um, you yeah. know, like every time I write an email marketing campaign, I'll get unsubscribes, I'll get replies back saying, you yeah, don't like this, it's too salesy. <laughs> yeah. um, Bye. But you know what? But a, a lot <laughs> yeah. of people buy. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. A lot See of people register for the event, a lot of people buy. Um, so it's quite polarizing. Yeah. And um, and you know what? It, it's, it's kind of like water, like, when you first do it, the first time you get that, it's it's actually a bit distressing. Yeah. Um, that you, you know, you see people unsubscribing from your database, you're like, oh no, like what's going on? Um, you know, and then Don't you get replies go. back. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'll get an average of you know five to ten replies mm -hmm. um, that that are not not particularly positive um, every time I send an email out. But 
it just is what it is. Isn't I think it? we're like, at the day. Yeah. We're, we're in a marketplace where, and so many people say, and you're doing this really well. You really understand your ideal client. You're speaking to him or her. And as we know, if for those people who don't resonate with that message, they're probably not your ideal client. So you would not want them sitting in the seat, probably giving you kind of rolling their eyes and all that kind of stuff. So it's good actually that you do polarize, if you will, those people who are attracted to it. They're your ideal clients and therefore will benefit and the others well good luck they can go and find you know another event to, to sit at that's right yeah that's <laughs> absolutely right mm -hmm. and so that that's kind of my approach with it all but again like you don't want to overhype it so yeah. you don't want to say you know you got to make a million dollars next week because that just doesn't happen yeah yeah that, that you've got to be realistic with things um and yeah, I, I really feel if you overpromise, there's a good chance that you're not going to be able to deliver on that. You know, there's a couple of conversations that we've been having with a number of colleagues and people just entering the market. And as you said, they are promising all of these incredible things, but they haven't had the skin in the game, if that's the right term. Whereas you have, because you've been, you know, you've been working for, for many, many years and have had this great accolades because of the fact that you are saying what you say you do. And now you're helping others to, to achieve that as well. And I think that that really has, I would imagine, continued to build success on success for you as you're running another live event. Because people who have been to previous events, they'll often share with their colleagues, oh, you need to go to that event. Robert does amazing events. You're going to learn a lot. You probably found that too, definitely. yes? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is there anything else that you do? So we've got landing pages, has to really speak, and obviously all of the, the marketing. So if you've got emails and so forth, you've got that you really do need to have great specificity around the problem, you know, what are the problems that they're struggling with, and of course sponsorships you've mentioned too. Is there anything else that you do? Yeah, we do a lot of um, Facebook advertising. That, that's a big rage right now, and, and there's a good reason because everybody's on Facebook all the time. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you just look around the street when you cross the road, people are checking their Facebook on their, on their mobile. Yeah. So everyone's using that the, the whole time. So basically what I do with Facebook is, so when I first ran campaigns, um, if it's like a national tour, I used to run just one ad for the whole national tour. So it mm -hmm. might be like, you know, join Australia's top architects at this great event. You know, it was costing me, I think for that particular event, it's costing about, you know, $20, $25 to get someone to register for a free ticket. Mm -hmm. And which is okay. That's not bad. I mean, you know, we're getting some of the top architects and engineers around Australia in for, for $25 a head. So that's, that's not too bad at all. Like you'd take that. But I thought, well, what if I get smarter about this? And what if I break it down by city and I write a separate ad for each city? And so what I did was, so for, for Sydney, I said, okay, I had a, in the Facebook ad, I moved it to a a background photo of the skyline of Sydney. And I said um, in the ad copy, I wrote, look, join Sydney's best architect, engineers, um, ah. and, you know, and construction people. And then for Melbourne, it was like, it was a photo of Melbourne skyline. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, join Melbourne's um, best architects, engineers. And from that, the the cost per opt-in went from $20, you know, $20, $25, all the way down to between 3 to $6. Wow. Because they knew it was for their city, um, it was specific to them, and it was local based. Mm -hmm. So, very just like just a very small tweak. Yes. Um, with like we could that means we could have you know between um, you know five to seven times more people for the same ad budget in the yeah, room. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you mentioned that uh, a lot of the tickets that you offer to these events are free. Do you tend to do that now that many of your events do, do have a, a zero it depends ticket on the, price? Yeah, it depends on the objective. Yeah. So, 
after that Architecture National Tour, um, one of our sponsors had, like as a condition of the sponsorship, we had to have at least 200 people in each room. Right. Um, otherwise, otherwise, um, you know, th- they wouldn't pay the invoice at the end, which is fine. You know, that, that was the conditions of it. So we had to make damn well sure uh, yes. <laughs> there was 200 actual <laughs> bums on seats at each, you know, at each um, event. And so to do that, I personally felt it was far too risky to, to put a price point in front of it yes. um, to be able to achieve those numbers. So mm. I decided to make it a free event, really loaded up with people. So we had, you know, between three to 400 people at each event across the national tour. And that was totally fine because in our instance, like to have a large number of people to ensure that we secured that sponsorship was, was far more important than having probably a smaller, tighter focused and, and higher qualified audience. And as you say, I mean, every event that you have is going to have a different attention, different objective, and that's going to very much depend on where you focus your attention and, and so forth. And I think when you start to talk about sponsors coming on board, which obviously sounds like a great idea, yes, you might be looking at boosting your visibility too, but you've also got to keep in mind that you've got sponsors that you need to account to as well be accountable to and get those people in there to be able to then of course um, learn more about them as well so with those particular free tickets what can sometimes happen and I love your your kind of feedback on this is that sometimes people can grab a ticket and because there's no you know in other words they haven't parted with their hard-earned dollar if you will then if something happens they go oh you know what I won't bother going so I guess one of the things would be you may Make it so enticing with the topics that are going to be covered that people can wait to get into the room. Are there other things that you do to ensure that they just don't book tickets, but they actually show up to the event? Yeah, well, I've had uh, attendance rates as low as fifteen percent for a free event. So mm. you'd have like a thousand people register, and one hundred and fifty show up, and that's really devastating. Yes, um, because you know you just got this big long registration list and no one comes. So. Yeah. In the recent event tour, we had about thirty-five to forty percent show up. Yep, right, um, yep. that was last month. So that was um, that was pretty good. Mm. I was pretty happy with that actually. Yeah. Yep. This is a free event. If it's a free event, if you're doing 40 percent, that's best practice. Like yeah. that's really good. And that's good to know. Free. You know, that's really yeah. good to know. Um, so forty to fifty percent. I mean, imagine that's the really day good. that you get the hundred percent. What would you do then? Would you have to go right? We have to open the walls. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, it's from experience, like it's never happened okay. with a free event and mm-hmm. even with a paid event. Um, so like I've charged ticket prices between, let's say, 29 to, to about $50 mm-hmm. um, for, for a paid event. Do you know what? Even still, you only get about 75% show up at that, at that ticket price, which is amazing. You yeah. know, people pay the money and just don't, still don't come, yeah. um, which is quite phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah, like I found with these introductory events, you know, about 75, 80%, even with paid, is, is probably the max that you'll get. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting with the psychology. Oh, it is. Um, I've, yeah, I've tried so many things. Like, I even, this was an interesting one. I had I had an offer where it was a free event and we had a paid VIP ticket. So it's kind of like a hybrid. But what I did was I said, look, if you want a VIP ticket for free, you know, I need you to complete some homework. Mm-hmm. So I gave like a little manual workbook. And um, it was about 20 minutes of homework. So I had to read the workbook and answer six questions about what was in the workbook. Yes. I thought, well, this is good because they're going to engage with the content before. Yeah. um, And, you know, they're getting something of value. Mm -hmm. And so out of all of the people that registered, I think only – it was something like 10 to 15% of people only that did the workbook and got the VIP upgrade. I'm like – that's nuts. You know, you're going to save yourself 100 bucks. Um, You're going to get free lunch and drinks and, and all that kind of stuff. All you got to do is just spend a few minutes just <laughs> writing out a few. In an area that I'm sure they needed advice and, and support with. 
you know, in yep. their business. And then or... what I found, um, so I was speaking to, to one of the guys that worked really close with Tony Robbins for like 15, 20 years. So yeah. just understands events like anything. I'm like, what what is going on here? And he's like, well, it's actually um, it's actually a deeper issue than just getting a free ticket. It's actually a lot of people don't value themselves as a VIP. And oh. so it was more of a, like an emotional, um, psychological thing where um, they just don't see themselves as a VIP person. So it's just not relevant to them. They just kind of see themselves as a general admission person. Right. So I wonder in that instance that we might reframe it or relabel it rather than VIP. Isn't that interesting? My goodness. Very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So there's a whole lot of different things um, going on. But I've got a friend that runs um, live events you know, every month. Mm -hmm. um, she'll put between 20 to 50 people in a room. She'll charge them all $49 for a ticket. Yep. And she gets really high attendance rates, you know, like 75, 80% that actually show up. Yeah. And they're a good quality audience. They convert really well afterwards because they've paid to be there. So they mm. value the information a lot better. And she's got a great business that runs off the back of that. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you don't need massive numbers um, to do really well. Yeah. And I think when you, again, it depends what the objective is. And if you've got a system that works really well and even the smaller numbers, because one of the things, of course, with a smaller event is you do get to spend more time. It's more intimate group, isn't it? So if someone's using this to then on sell to some services and so forth, being able to spend a bit more time with a smaller group, if you have a higher enrollment rate, then that may very well be the, the model that you follow. But it's one of these things, trial and error. But I think what you've shared today is just in incredible. And even let's just talk about some of the things like with the marketing with a low budget. I mean, some of the things that you've spoken about today is like the face Facebook ads being far more targeted, having, if you're going from city to city, having a, a, an image where people in that city can relate. Oh, there's the Harbour Bridge or in, in Melbourne, whatever that might be. Um, you know, that, that really would help too. Are there any other things that you've done that have really allowed you to decrease the marketing spend? Yeah, so normally we're looking at affiliate partners or, or different commercial partners that are mm -hmm. happy to, to kind of push the, the opportunity out for you. So. Yeah. For example, like one of my clients, they've got like a, they kind of sell to, you know, people that are 50 plus um, and it's more about like investment and retirement and savings and, and things like that and mm -hmm. managing that, uh, that whole process. And so there's a couple of really good financial publications out there that these people read. Yes. And so quite often they're quite happy to email the database for you with an offer, which is awesome. So yeah. if you can find like a related kind of media publication or, or industry where your target market reading it quite often those guys are quite happy to send out an email for you and and sometimes they even just charge on a cost per result basis so they might say well we'll charge you you know x number of dollars every time someone signs up mm -hmm. so sometimes they, they want a fixed fee they might want to charge you a fixed fee to email their people but quite often they do do it on a cost per result basis which is great it kind yeah. of minimizes your risk with those affiliate um, partners i'd imagine that you really want to start to nurture those relationships well first of all find who you think would be would be a good affiliate partner and then continue to kind of to, to build that relationship is there a great time frame that if someone's thinking of running Running an event that you say, you know what, if, if your event is going to be, say, in October or whatever, you need to start having these conversations and implementing a lot of what we've spoken about today. Right, what, you know, is it 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, even more than that? What sort of time frame? You've had a lot of experience. You can you can knock it out in 30 days. Yep. Um, if, if it's your first one, you might give it 60 to 90. Great. Are there any other things that you do that has enabled you to lower your marketing spend? 
you can do a lot of things that are free um, or low cost to do, but it involves elbow grease. Okay. <laughs> and hard work. Some hard work. All right. Yeah, so I like to, so it basically can do um the easiest way to do it is to spend some money on Facebook ads. Yeah. You know, and um and fill up that way because that doesn't that doesn't yeah. require any work at all. It's basically mm-hmm. setting up some ads and running them. But but it requires marketing budget. Yeah. Um on the flip side, you can do it all for free, but it depends on like how much how much time you have to allocate to it versus budget. And yeah. I would imagine it would be just doing some of the other things that we were very uh, familiar with, like networking, some of the relationships that you've developed over that time. You might be able to leverage those. Um, That's right. As like well. you might be able to go to a networking event, you might get half a dozen people that can come out of that, but you spend like an hour of your time. And so it's kind of like, and that, that might be perfectly fine. Like you might be really happy with that. Or you mm. might say, well, and out of my time, well, I could do a lot more with that. That that times, I'd rather just spend five minutes and putting out a Facebook ad and yeah. spending a hundred bucks or or a thousand dollars, whatever that is, on mm-hmm. that, and then um, using that hour differently. You've been doing this for for a number of years now, and it's worked really well for you. The as you said, the um, the affiliate partners, the Facebook ads, and uh, once you kind of get the right the right ad that's really capturing attention, just continue to roll that out. Now, setting up an automated webinar system is that something that you use as part of building awareness and so forth that leads into events. Is that how you use? No, we actually use it to yeah. replace events. Oh. So yeah. So so again, this is even this is even this is really cool. So basically, I've got a webinar that runs on autopilot, and it runs you know all day, every day, pretty much. So yeah. people just see that on Facebook saying, "Hey, do you join this webinar? It's um it's starting soon." And then they they join it. They know it's not live, so that's totally mm-hmm. cool. Um, but it's just great because you can get your message in front of people all day, every day, which is amazing. Yes, and for introverts, i.e., one of me, <laughs> yeah. having that behind your screen and running, I mean, that's just uh, amazing. So, what system do you use? Like, I know there's a lot of different systems, but do you have one that you found really works well for you? Um, I've used probably about about five or six in the past, and basically, I, I decided to kind of get my tech guy to build my own one out. So okay. it's nothing fancy. It's just mm-hmm. basically a landing page and it goes to a video. Yeah. Um that, that plays when it starts. So nothing fancy at all. But it's designed just basically to try and get the message in front of people. So all of the other ones out there, like there's heaps of different options, but they've all got one one or two things I just don't like at this stage. Yeah. So that might that might, might it might change in the future. But mm. any of them actually do work just fine. Yeah, and you know the thing what I like to hear about that is that if you've got someone that is, t- you know, obviously you've got a web designer or a techie that be- that is able to do that, then once it's set up, there's no on, you know, massive ongoing costs, which un- unfortunately with some of these systems there can be, you know, and definitely um, you're paying a monthly fee, yeah. and it really adds up. Like if you have a couple months where you don't even run the webinar or you want to change it or whatever, yes. Um, you know, you're kind of paying for, for thin air. Yeah. And so what you're then doing is you've got this video, like a webinar video that you've created. You're using Facebook ads. Obviously, there's like a squeeze page, you know, like the sales page yep. you're talking about with your events. They then sign up and then they're just part of your, your list then, aren't they? That's right. It's yeah. great. And now because I've had so many leads that have come through this, um, one of my clients are actually building out a sales team to follow up with all these leads. Wow. So it's, it's pretty amazing like how how far she can scale it up. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, this uh, we could just sit here and talk all day. I'm sure there's so much, I mean, that that uh, you can share. But, look, people have listened today. You've given some great, great content and insights and in how you're doing things. I'm sure people would love to reach out, find out more about you. What's the best way for them to do that, Robert? 
yeah, they come to the website, feedastarvingcrowd.com. All my contact details are there and there's the book and all that other good stuff there too. Yeah, fantastic. So what what's exciting project have you got coming up for you for your business? Ah, oh, abundance of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> all coming off the back of these webinar, the webinar know, training. Yeah, they are. Like, so basically, like, if you can really get some good momentum in your business with these live events, it opens up a lot of opportunities yeah. um, because you're just getting in front of so many people. Yes. And, you know, just once you've got that reach and you're seeing a lot of people, um, just good things to start to happen organically yeah. once you've got all these conversations happening. I think that's the real key, isn't it? To be really focused to whatever system you're putting forward or using, you continue to tweak and monitor because how often do, as entrepreneurs do we launch something and we didn't quite get the result and we think, well, that completely failed and we throw out everything. Whereas had we gone back, revisited, implemented some changes, we could have had a much different result when we were to launch at the second, the third, and and so on many times. And it's also, yeah, and it's important to look, like don't just say it failed, actually get down into the data and say, okay, well, what what didn't work, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay, we had, was it that you didn't have enough registrations or was the show-off rate too low or was there enough people there but you didn't really close that well? Or like, so what, what specifically did it work? You know, mm. rather than saying, oh, it was a big, big disaster, uh, yes. that's, that, that doesn't help anybody. So it's really about digging deep into that data and saying, well, okay, let's take an objective look at this. What what actually happened? We spent X. This is the results. Okay, if we, what do we need to improve? make that improvement um, going forward? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, that brings us to the end of another show. I do know that you've taken away lots of notes to implement the next time you launch your live event. Please reach out to Robert. As you can tell from today's show, he's a wealth of information on that area. For those of you who have subscribed to our iTunes channel, thank you so much. That means you're going to be the very first person to find out when we launch our show next week with another guest expert. Now, you don't have to miss out. If you want to subscribe, you can. All you need to do is go to ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES iTunes. That's ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES iTunes. Till next week, have a fabulous one. See you then. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.